0: God, I want you to open the book of Hebrews we're going to open the book of Hebrews chapter twelve. I want to paint you a picture. Can we paint a picture all right book of Hebrews is full of encouragement to a church that needs encouragement. A couple of groups of people in that church they were um, Straight out, strong Christians uh, who had come out of the Jewish faith uh, still considered themselves Jews. It wasn't that they had to forsake that. Uh, They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of the law. Uh, But because they believed that, they underwent some great persecution. Uh, Many of their families tossed them out. Uh, Their own culture turned their back to them. That was all they had. I mean, in a Roman occupation, all you had was your own culture and your religion. Everything else had been taken. And um, so it was very difficult for them to, to say, all right, I'm turning to Jesus and have everything else stripped away. But they believed that Jesus was worth far more than anything else. The other group that we see in the book of Hebrews is a, is, is a group that, that, that want to believe or maybe uh, have been coming to some services but haven't really made the, ch- the true change, haven't made the choice to really follow Jesus. They're kind of playing both sides of the field and the book of Hebrews is urging them to not doubt but take a step of faith. When you hear the voice of God, don't harden your heart. It says, don't, don't try to play both sides because he says, once there's been this sacrifice of Jesus, he's the sacrifice. He said, there doesn't, there's not going to be another sacrifice. He's it. You need to embrace him. And so this church has been under some, some, some tough persecution. We understand that they had houses taken away. They had properties stolen from them. They had families turned them out. And so there were some things they had to put up with that you and I aren't used to. Sometimes the worst that we get is just somebody disagreeing with us at work or somebody uh, maybe uh, having a different opinion of us because you're a believer. But there, they had to undergo some, some very serious persecution. And this book was written to them that they would endure, that they would endure and not just endure um, – just surviving and, and somehow making it through, but that they would thrive. And I want to read you something in chapter 12. I want to remind you what came in chapter 11. Chapter 11 spoke of all these great men and women of faith who by, the, by faith and by the Spirit of God did amazing things. It talks about Moses, Abraham, Noah. It talks about the Israelites, Joshua, Talks about Samson, all these men and women. Talks about Deborah. Talks about these men and women who, by faith in God, did the impossible. It says at the end of Hebrews eleven that they are men and women that the world was not worthy of. It says, but since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, we're witnesses too, aren't we? But since this great cloud of witnesses around us, they've run before us. It Says, let us run the race with endurance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It talks about how he, for the joy set before him, ran his race and endured the cross, despised the shame. But he did it because there was joy before him, because he saw you. And he did it with joy, he did it with, with gladness, he did it with endurance. And Because he ran the race, so can we. We understand that this race that they're talking about is not we, individually us running our own single races and trying to get our beat our personal best, get a good time. It's talking about a great relay race where we're all running together and those men and women that ran before us have run and now we're running the race right behind them. We're finishing what they started because the scripture says in that chapter that without us, their race isn't finished. Without us, their race isn't finished. Which means this is a great relay race. You've got to do your part. They did theirs. Now it's time for us to do ours. The temptation for these Hebrew people that had come out of such persecution or were in such persecution was for them to feel like they wanted to quit, was for some of them to feel like they just couldn't take it anymore. Have you ever felt, you know, in, in your walk with Christ, maybe in your relationships, have you ever felt Like certain people you knew would never give up, but there were others you were a little concerned about. There were others that seemed right on the edge of giving up. There were others that were right on the edge of fainting. In this church, not everybody's the same, right? Not everybody reacts the same to hardship. Not everybody reacts the same. And we know that we're being built up in Christ. We're getting stronger every day. And when you get strong, you can endure. You can bear up, not by your strength, but by his but I'm sure you've noticed every now and then there's somebody around you that maybe has slipped back a little bit. Maybe there's somebody around you. Maybe there's somebody in the church that you know that used to be on fire for God, used to be so excited, and then some things hit them hard, and they're this close to falling back. Maybe you've seen them kind of take a step back. Maybe there were things they gladly volunteered for that they're not quite so sure they're going to volunteer for maybe they were at every service up there, front row, ready to receive and then you see them kind of slip away and not there as much maybe with your conversations at lunch you used to talk about how good God was now all they want to talk about is how work's going you have a choice you can kind of sit back and watch it happen you sit back and say well I mean, at least it's not me. At least I'm still running the race as fast as I ever did, as strong as I ever did. You can recognize that we're a body. When one member slows down, one member starts to hurt, one member is about to break, the other members have got to do something about it. You don't do something judgmentally. You don't do it in a sense of, well, i got to fix them. But you do it in love, realizing that if that was you falling back, if that was you f- about to fall down in the race, wouldn't you want somebody to grab your arm and keep you up? I want to read you in Hebrews chapter 12 what it says. Because after that little analogy about the race, he talks about discipline. He says, the reason you're going to endure is because of discipline. God, his discipline causes us to endure. Now, sometimes when you hear discipline, maybe you're like me, when you hear discipline, maybe you raise the house... That, this is the way you think. You hear discipline, you think spankings. Is that what you think? If you think discipline, you think I'm in trouble. Is that what you picture when you hear discipline? How many of you hear discipline and, and get a smile on your face to hear it? Well, thank God. we got one. Tell you the truth. It took me a long time to hear discipline positively. I heard discipline, and I thought I'm in trouble. But do you know discipline, what's the root word of Discipline disciple you want to know how he disciplines his own watch how jesus treated the disciples they were called disciples if anybody was disciplined it was the disciples right watch how jesus treats them watch how he talks to them there are times when he corrects them there are times when he encourages them there are times when he teaches them there are times when he empowers them that's what it's like to be disciplined And it's not always fun to be disciplined, because we all like to think we're already doing it right. To have somebody come along and say, this is a better way to do it, you've got to be humble, right? But he says here, it's for discipline that you endure. And he says, since you're a a child of God, he's your father, he's going to discipline you. It's not, he's not saying that the persecution was God disciplining them. Oh my goodness, of course not. Because how did Jesus discipline the disciples? Did Jesus turn the disciples over to the Pharisees and say, give them, give them some whippings? That's how I discipline them. Did Jesus throw them in the water and let them drown for a little bit and go, that's how I discipline them? Did he? <laughs> You've got to help me here. No, he didn't. How did Jesus discipline them? With his word. He said to them, he said, you, he said that the Father is the vine dresser, he prunes you, he cleans you. And then he looked at them and he said, you're already clean, you're already pruned, because of the words that I've spoken to you. In every situation, we open ourselves up to the discipline of the Father in a good way. It's not discipline that causes you to hurt. It's discipline that causes you to endure. His discipline will train you. His discipline will strengthen you. His discipline will equip you. Don't be afraid of the discipline of the Lord. Don't be afraid when you're corrected. You know what? The Bible says that a wise person loves correction. Who's the last person you met that loved to be corrected? Let that be you. I'm not talking about those people that are just, you know, the grammar police that correct every little thing you ever say. I'm talking about godly correction. I'm talking about willing to let somebody speak into your life and say, here is the right way. You're a little bit off course, but you can fix that. Let's be humble enough to let God do that. Let's be humble enough to let God use other people. So that's the backdrop for what we're about to read. He's talking about discipline. He's talking about enduring. And you know that there are some people in the race that are about to give up because it's gotten really hard. And it says this in chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. We know that the scripture often uses the example of a body for us, for the body of Christ. We're not just the body of Christ by ourselves. We're the body of Christ together. He says, as we're, as we're a family, as we're a body of Christ, strengthen the knees that are weak, sorry, the, the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. You ever looked around and saw somebody that started to get a little weak or a little feeble? What's been your reaction to those people? Because you can either leave them alone and just say, it's not my business. You could be condemning and just beat them down further, and they're already bruised, and you just kick them while they're down. That's probably not a good idea. Or you could do something Christ-like, and you can strengthen that person. You can recognize that they're weak and realize that they need somebody to encourage them. They need somebody to bear them up. They need somebody to fight for them. They need somebody to talk to them. And maybe not tell them everything they want to hear. Maybe tell them what they need to hear in love. That you care about that person. Listen, I've said this before. If you, can't, if you don't love somebody, don't even try to correct them. Don't ever try to do it. Don't ever try to tell them what they need to do. Don't try to fix them. If you can't love them, you're not the one for the job. Because all you'll do is abuse that person. <laughs> It's like when parents discipline their kids. However you do it, I'm not telling you how to parent your kids, but however you do it, you need to do it in love. Because if you can't discipline them in love, you're disciplining them in in anger, and that's abuse. You have to do it in love. I mean, if you have to have a cool-down period before you decide what you're going to do with that kid who just did something really stupid, cool down, pray in the Holy Spirit. Figure out what you're supposed to do. And don't don't do a thing until you can do it in love. He says here, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Then he says this, and make straight paths for your feet. What's interesting is this phrase to make straight pops up quite a few, quite a couple, well, a couple times at least in this verse itself because when he says strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble it literally says in the Greek make straight there are things that are fractured There are things that are broken make straight the hands that are weak hold them up and the knees that are feeble then he says make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed how many of you know some lame people Anybody? Thank God Jesus heals the lame, right? Because I know some really lame people. We're not talking about lame like the world talks about it. I'm talking about lame. You see, there's there's a step here between perfectly whole. Between perfectly whole and put out of joint, there's a step called lame. Do you understand what I mean? Because he says, this person that's lame is not quite out of joint. And they can go in one of two directions. They can be healed or they can be put out of joint. They're in between those two places. And maybe you've been that person in between two places. You've been the one that felt lame. In other words, you felt like you're not walking like God called you to walk. You're not not acting. You're not thinking the right way. You understand that there's something wrong, but you're not quite over the edge. but, But at the same time, you're not really where you used to be. And he says, we've got to make sure that this person who is lame does not go from lame to totally out of joint. Now, what happens when they're out of joint? They're disconnected from the body. What does the scripture say? The Bible says, it says that we are supplied, that Christ supplies his body. It says that that we're held together, fitted, held together and supplied by what every joint supplies. That God put us together together. And the scripture tells us that none of us are joints. We're all body parts, right? But we're joined together. And it says when we join together, God supplies us through those joints. God blesses those joints. God God connects us with one another. So when someone's put out of joint, they're disconnected from the body. They're disconnected from those people that used to minister life to them, that they used to minister life to. And we can stand back and say, well, that's their. But I'm going to tell you, it's not just their problem. Well, you could say, well, it's your problem. You're the pastor. But this isn't written to just pastor. This is written to the body of Christ. He says, I want you to lift up and strengthen the hands, make straight the hands that are weak, and the knees that are feeble, and then make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. How do I make straight paths? I make straight paths well I guarantee that following the word of God is going to make your path straight right what does the scripture say in Proverbs? it says it says in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct you he'll make your path straight he'll direct your paths he'll make them straight that's what he does honoring the word of God honoring the voice of God in your life is going to make a straight path but also this means that you make it I mean you go out of your way to make it as easy as as possible, maybe not as easy, might not be the word, but you make it in such a way that that person has a path back into restoration. That person has a path back into the body of Christ. Maybe they've messed up. Do you know when somebody is weak or feeble or lame, they've probably done something out of hurt. They've probably done something that's disconnected them. They've probably done something bad. Maybe they've done something bad against you. Or maybe they've acted in a way that's been offensive or hurtful. But you've got to be like Jesus. who, No matter how offensive and hurtful you were, looked on you with love and bore your sin and forgave you when you were unforgivable. And So as a believer, don't think that these weak, feeble, and lame people are the nicest people in the world. We'd love to think so, right? We'd love to just think we're rescuing a bunch of baby seals, and they're so cute, and we love them, and we'll put it on YouTube and we'll put it on Facebook. Man, look what I did. But most believers that fall into this category don't seem like cute little baby seals. <laughs> when we're wounded, sometimes we lash out. When we're wounded, sometimes we're not that friendly. You've got to believe that somebody in this situation might not be very nice. They might be in a place where they're not as loving as they used to be. Why? If they've been disconnected, if they've come out, if they've fallen out of fellowship with the Lord and with each other, they're probably not walking in the same love they've walked in before. You've got to reach past that and realize that the Scripture says, love each other fervently from the heart for love. It says keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Love makes up the difference. Verse 14 says this, pursue peace with all men. This word pursue is the same word that that they used to describe what Paul did to the church. In in fact, this word is often translated as persecute. When Paul hunted down Christians to throw them in prison to kill them, that's the same word. Do you know pursue? It's, It's like we were talking about seek earlier. Pursue is not passive. Pursue is not something on the side. Pursue is you go after it. You hunt it down. Pursue peace with all men. All men. Oh boy. Me take this down on the monitors a bit, but All men. That's tough because I'd like to have some loopholes. I'd like to have some exceptions. I'd like a little footnote that says, except for this person, they're beyond peace. And the scripture does say, as far as it depends on you, Be at peace with all men. Which means that sometimes you can do everything that you know to do and still there's not peace. But it's because they just refuse to have peace. So what do we do? We pursue it. We seek it. We go after it. Pursue peace with all men. And the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. What kind of sanctification are we talking about? Well, we know when we were saved, you being that spirit, We're sanctified. You were clean. You were made holy. But we know that that inward sanctification that happened in you is working its way to everything outside, isn't it? Because you were made holy in here, you now begin to live holy. You now begin to act righteously. You now begin to walk like Jesus. And we know we're not perfect yet, right? Do you know anybody that's perfect, never makes a mistake, never does anything wrong? I don't either. So there's a sanctifying work that Jesus is continually sanctifying us. It says, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and said, may he continue to sanctify you spirit, soul, and body until the day he returns. Faithful is he who calls you faithful he will be faithful to bring it to pass. So there's something that's happening in us and it says pursue peace and pursue sanctification or we could say holiness. Pursue these things, chase them because they're so important to us all walking in what God's called Now, I want you to consider for a minute what it feels like to pursue peace. How hard have you tried? How how much have you chased peace with someone? Now, I want to tell you, like everything else in the Scripture, if you do it in your own strength, you will fall flat. But if you trust in the Lord and walk by faith, and if He commanded you to do it, He can make it happen. If you trust God, watch what he does. Pursue peace with all men. Check out, look for those that are weak and lame and feeble. Strengthen them. Make straight paths for them. So how would I make a straight path with Chance if Chance and I were having an issue? If Chance had done something hurtful to me, now he never would. He's a very nice guy. But if he did, and he had fallen out of fellowship, there was an issue with Chance. And, and there was a, 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 a chance that chance could break off from the body. He was that close to being disconnected. And we all know people, and you maybe you're that guy who's been in that position where you're just hanging on by just, there's just a ligament holding you together. Now, I'm not saying you're going to hell, but you're about to be broken off from fellowship. You're about to be broken off from the body. You're about to just kind of rather stay at home. Or if you are at church, you don't really want to talk to anybody. You don't really want to interact. You don't really want to do anything during praise and worship. You just kind of want to be left alone. How do I make straight paths for that? How do I help chance? Well, I've got to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, what do I do? How can I I make some of the distance between the, because if there's distance between us, we know that Jesus interceded for us and made up the difference between us and God. So I can make up the difference. There's some space between me and Chance. And the love of God and the Holy Spirit can cause me to make up some difference. And if he's not going to meet me halfway, then I'll go all the way to three quarters to meet him and I'm going to make a straight path, I'm going to walk in such a way, I'm going to keep my heart pure, I'm going to keep my words controlled, I'm going to make sure I don't make that path crooked, I'm going to make it straight so that chance can get right back on path with me, and we'll run that race together. Because if I don't, it's not all chance's fault. If you fall down, you fall down you trip and your hands do nothing you just trip and fall face first You smack your face against the pavement that doesn't sound fun to any of us does it would it be right for your hands to say i could have i could have stopped that but i would have got scraped (laughs) not my problem i didn't trip looks at the feet goes that's mostly your fault and the face goes why am i bearing the brunt of this but the hands go, I don't want to get involved, not my issue. I know if I get involved, I might save the face some trouble, but I'm going to have some scrapes on me. Not worth it. Not worth it. You go ahead and take this face. I've been doing far too much for you anyways. You're always pretty. That guy doesn't care if I get dirty. My fingernails are weird. You, no, it's, it's about time you took a hit. What do you do? Your body's connected, right? That, what, the reason that seems so silly to us is because our body parts aren't disconnected. We're all one. We work together. We act together. Your whole body, or else, or else you're dysfunctional. If your body parts aren't working together, something's wrong. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. I want to read you something from 1 Thessalonians, if you could. 1 Thessalonians 5 says in verse 14, we urge you, brethren, and when it says brethren, I've told you this before, this means family. I, I believe scripturally we can include sisters in this, right? We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. I'm going to read that again. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. He's not talking about people in the world. He's talking about the church, right? Because why would you admonish the unruly in the world? They don't even know what the rules are. They don't, they don't, they don't have the ability to do the right thing. It, Paul said, it's not our business to worry about what the world's doing. He says, we got we to gotta judge ourselves. We got to take care of the church here. He says, because why are you surprised when the world acts like the world? They don't know Jesus. Of course they act stupid. But let's look at at us. Let's fix us. Admonish the unruly, which means, hey, somebody stepped out of line. You can either say it's not my problem or you can help them out. Encourage the faint-hearted. Somebody's about to quit. We have talked about this before, I think a few months ago. Help the weak help the weak. How do I do that? I believe God can show you how to do that. But you know that when those knees are weak they can either be healed or they can be put out of joint. And the scripture doesn't say it's the, the knees problem. The scripture says it's up to you whether they get healed or put out of joint. It's about whether we made straight paths for them. Whether we help them bore them up you could sit back and say it's not my problem or you could acknowledge that we have been made one by the blood of jesus by the body of christ we've been united it is my issue now if they refuse my help that's not there's only so much you can do right you can't force somebody to do the right thing but you can pray for them you can intercede for them you can fight a battle that they don't know they're even waging You can pray, you can stand, you can love, you can call, you can encourage, and you must, because we've been made one. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. It says, see that no one repays another evil for evil, but always, always seek. After that which is good for one another and for all people. That word to seek is the same word we talked about before. It's also translated persecute in many places. It means to seek, to actively seek, to chase what is good for one another and for all people. The book of Romans, it says, we who are strong must bear the failings of the weak. What a thought. What a thought. Because I thought we who are strong just get to say, well, we're strong, you need to be more like us. Now, I don't know how many in this room this morning would say we who are strong, or whether you'd say they who are strong. Sometimes we feel so uh, falsely humble that we we hate to admit that there's any strength in us. We don't want to be the first one to say I'm strong. But I'm going to tell you, many of you in this room, I'd consider very strong. You're very strong. You don't just sit there and flex in front of the weaklings. And say, you can be my before picture. You be my before picture, I'll be the after picture, and we'll sell a lot of books. I pick things up and put them down. (laughs) Instead, we who are strong help. We who are strong, lift. The strength that we're talking about here is not always once you get to this point, you'll be strong for the rest of your life. We're talking about endurance. We're talking about somebody that that, that you you feel, I got fight in me, I, I can do this, and somebody that maybe they were stronger than you, but they've been fighting so long that they've gotten weak and tired. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know that that encourager that encouraged you is in you now. That comforter is in you. That strengthener is in you. The Holy Spirit that gave you life and gave you strength to fight is there for you to encourage somebody else. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. But just like Jesus said to Peter, he said, you're going to make a mistake, Peter, but I'm praying for you. And you, once you've turned, you turn around and you encourage your brothers. Thank God. Thank God. I'm going to read that to you in Romans 15, what I just quoted. Is that okay? Romans 15, 1, and we'll close with this thought. It says now, now when I say close with this thought, I'm going to talk about it a little bit after. Don't, Don't start your cars yet. Now, we who are strong, because I can hear when you start them. Don't think I don't hear that. Peep peep. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Do you hear that? Oh, I like to think that I just have to be responsible for me, and I'm the only one I need to worry about, and it's just me and Jesus, and that's that, and if they mess up, it's their problem. No. We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Edification means build them up. If they're crumbling, if the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, you've come with the spirit of life. Jesus came with life. that They may have it more abundantly, and he gave it to you. You go and you build them up. For even as Christ, even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, listen to this, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now that's a big thought because he just compared us to Jesus here. He says in the same way that Jesus bore your reproach. The reproaches of those that reproach you fell on me. Did Jesus deserve that? He bore it. He says, in the same way that Jesus bore your reproach, you bear up the weak. Maybe they don't deserve your help, but did any of us deserve help? It's not about what you deserve. It's about grace. And I'm not talking about grace as in a band-aid that covers up your boo-boos. I'm talking about grace as the empowering work of God to do what you can't do, to be who you can't be. And that grace is not only given to you, it's working through you. For even as Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance, who gives us perseverance? God, do you learn it from a book? No. Do Do you just get it just by being around persevering people? No. God gives you perseverance. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Where does encouragement come from? It comes from him. May he grant you to be of the same mind. God is the one that gives you perseverance. God is the one that gives you encouragement. Now, may he grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Thank God. So that with one accord, here's the goal. With one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us for the glory of God. See, here's the goal. The goal is those people aren't put out of joint, but they're healed. The goal is the weak don't stay weak. They get strong. And the goal is that we all, when we're all strengthened and brought back to fellowship with God and one another, that we all glorify him with one voice. It's not about your voice, it's about our voices joining as one. God gave you strength so you could turn and strengthen someone else. I want you to realize and recognize that you're not your job, you probably don't have the authority to step into everybody's life and tell them what to do. You're not going to be a popular person if you do. God didn't anoint you to do that. In some cases, you, you have that role in somebody's life to have some authority, but in most cases, you're not the one that's supposed to tell them everything to do, but you know what? You can help the weak. You can strengthen them, you can encourage them, and you know what? You can give them some advice based on the word of God. You can point them towards the truth. You can pray for them. You don't just leave somebody wounded. You pick them up, you drag them to the mess. Right? Sometimes Christians see somebody wounded and they just say, this guy's going to embarrass us. Let's shoot him. It's true enough, right? Especially leaders. If somebody messes up, we'd rather not deal with the humiliation, and embarrassment again, so we just leave them alone. We may join in in the kicking them while they're down. But that's not the heart of God. The Bible talks about somebody who's been rebellious against God and it says, restore such a one with gentleness. Bring him to repentance. Trust that God has still got a plan for that person. There's somewhere between out of joint and healed. And you may be the difference. Jesus is the healer, isn't he? You're not the healer. But you know the healer. The healer works through you, works in you. And you can make a straight path so that that limb that is lame, may be healed instead of put out a joint. I want to I be in a church full of people that, though they may not have started out healed, are healed now. And regularly having people come in those back doors that need healing. Do you know one of the best ways to help somebody who needs healing is to ex- experience that same healing in your own life? You can't stay lame forever. Because if you're lame, you can't help somebody else that is lame. Right? You need to embrace the healing power of Jesus. I'm not talking about physically lame. I'm talking about what he's talking about, that spiritual lameness. You can't just stay broken and offended, broken and hurt, broken and disappointed. You can't stay there for the rest of your life. Maybe you're the one that needs to be healed. Would you accept some help? Would you accept that healing power of Jesus? Oh, I believe that by his stripes I was healed refers more to just than just my physical body. It does have to do with my physical body, but it has to do with so much more than that. Guys, if you, I mean, I'm telling you, you're addicted, start saying, by his stripes I'm healed. He can heal you from that addiction. If, you're, if you've got a relationship that's broken, you know that Jesus said he's our peace. He's broken down every dividing wall. By his stripes we were healed. We were renewed we were made whole. That's my prayer for you this morning. That not one person would fall back in the race. Falling back, a little bit further behind, a little bit further, until you notice they're right near the sidelines. They're almost out of it altogether. Somebody's got to turn around and pick them up and say, come on, let's run together. Walk it off, run it off. We've got a race to run thank God we can't run this alone this is not about beating your personal best it's not about individual heat times the race we run is meant to be run together we are a body and if you say it's not my problem I'm going to tell you that out of joint limb is going to cause you trouble someday because you need them we need each other we need to fight for each other we need to love each other amen I know it's a simple thought but I want you to pray about it can you do that can you go home and not just leave this here, not just leave this, this section of Scripture at church for Sunday morning, and then if somebody asks you next Sunday what what'd you hear about, you forget and you can't tell them. You have to go on the Internet and check it out. Can you remember and go home and pray about how this is going to apply to your own life? Because I guarantee if you'll pray about it, you'll either find that you're in that category that needs to be healed or you're in that category that, need, that knows somebody that does. And it's not the pastor's job to fix everybody. It's, it's God's job, but he's going to use you.